Welcome back into the Rounding Third Podcast. I'm Nick. We have Harrison tonight. How we doing, bud? How we doing? Good. Good, good, good. Uh, Sean is on his way to Italy, you know, for well, well, let's, whatever Let's be honest reason, here, but... Nick. He spent a weekend with us watching baseball, and he was like, I'm out, guys. Like, this is <laughs> yeah, too much. I'm, I'm done. I need to get out of here. <laughs> I've had enough um, of you guys. Yeah, right. Um, so he's in Italy, you know, living the tough life over there. But uh, he might be back next week. I don't know what day he gets back in, but I'm sure he'll hop on if he's here. But You, you know what um, they say about Italy, though? They got no good food, no good wine, no good coffee. I mean, nothing. They got nothing out there. It's terrible. I mean, you just go down to Dunks and get it. I mean, right. I mean, how spoiled here in the Northeast. We got such quality of Dunks down the street. Yeah, probably. Um, well, I was going to say probably no Dunks in Italy, but I'm sure there is somewhere. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> but, could, you right. imagine, could you imagine walking past an Italian coffee shop to go to Dunks? Like, <laughs> I think I think somebody should be allowed to kill you. <laughs> well, it would happen because that's where I'd go. Yeah, Anyways. I know you would. I know you would. <laughs> Not all of us have taste, Nick. Yeah, right. All right. Uh, before we get going, make sure you follow, like us on Facebook, subscribe on YouTube. Uh, you can listen on Spotify and Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. All right. Um, leading off, we're just going to quickly um, go over our road trip that we did last last weekend. Seems forever ago. I know. It was, yeah, weekend it was before two last. two weekends ago. Weekend before yeah. last. Um, it was a blast hanging out with you, you and Sean for the whole weekend and just taking in a ton of baseball. I mean, obviously, you guys saw the little clip we did. Uh, Saturday didn't really work out, but Sunday made up for it. Um, seeing Cedric Mullins hit for the cycle was it's been probably one of the coolest things I've seen live and to be a part of yep. like that was that was really cool. Yeah, that, I mean, that wasn't even like a trip highlight. Like, like that's a baseball fan highlight. Oh, exactly. <laughs> For sure. Absolutely. It was so cool. I mean, I did see Pujols hit 694, so that one's right up there. But, I mean, it's pretty cool. I, I seeing a cycle live, like I said on our little show there, I, I've never seen one. In all the years I've been around baseball, played baseball, coached baseball, I've never seen one. And to see one live was was really cool. Loved yeah. it. Yeah, especially when we kind of had no idea it was happening until the woman two rows behind <laughs> us called it. Yeah, he's a home run shy of the cycle. Crack. Oh well, he's got there it. There it is. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, and and I, and those you know beautiful ballparks. Yeah, great places to go hang out. Got a chance to walk around DC a little bit on Saturday before the rain came, and just overall uh, a good trip. It really makes you appreciate um, you know what a newer ballpark brings to a community and to the baseball experience. I mean, God love Fenway. It it's an antique. It's got all the history and nostalgia those places don't have, but you know the experience of being at a game in those ballparks and having it really just like part of the community like you just walk in off the street and it continues and it's just it's it was amazing and a a really really fun baseball experience yeah it's it's so cool how like camden yards the concourse is on street level yep the concourse at nationals park is on street level you're not going down underneath you're not going like this through the concourse underneath because it's you know just all uneven um the new ballparks are are absolutely amazing but. yeah i mean you walk in it's open you're still outside it's bright people are walking around there's you know you're they got vendors right there when you first walk in like you're not getting shoved underneath the stadium like you're just continuing to be outside and yeah. you get to actually kind of like walk up and approach the field and see it and it's really uh just really cool yeah it was it was awesome i can't wait till we somehow plan our our trip for next spring i'm sure that's coming down we're tentatively trying to get both new york's and then both pennsylvania's maybe in the in one trip which would be really cool that'd be amazing um 
I am. I got it booked. I am going to the Braves next month. I'm going to on the 16th. So Rockies and Braves in Atlanta. So oh, nice. Yeah, I have that booked. So pretty pumped for that'll that. that'll be cool but, and i i will say I, I shared with you guys the uh the email we got from the nationals after the saturday debacle but the national just came out the other day as an apology to all the fans that were put through that saturday you know almost four hour rain delay that was then suspended they came out and offered free passes to those people that can return to the ballpark this year so no blackouts um, no blackouts. Yeah, no blackouts which is hilarious because there there's no reason for a blackout because that place was never sold out <laughs> but i will say having seen that team play I have more respect for that organization than I did going in. They do have some good young talent. You know, CJ Abrams comes to mind. He is a, he is a potential star in the making. Mm -hmm. Um, They do have some good young talent. They're not that far off. You know, they're kind of bouncing around under 500. They're not a real threat in the East, but they are in better shape than I gave them credit for being in. And they do have some young talent that came over in that Soto trade. And they've developed that. I think there's hope that organization. They're not a, they're not the A's. No. Uh, but I think there's hope. They're just still a little ways off. They are the Orioles four or five years ago. Yeah. You know, like young guys, Slow. but just not quite ready, not ready to go yet. Um, but yeah, I CJ Abrams. I mean, he was major league ready with San Diego. He had had oh, a, yeah. a few games under his belt. Um, he parked one in that first game that we watched before it got pushed out. Or was yeah. it the second? Yeah, it was the first game because we were game. in the left field seats. Yeah. Uh, he, he he touched that ball pretty good, and that ball was gone. Yeah, he had um, he had he had a, a couple of doubles. He also had another ball that was caught like you know back against the wall, yeah. and you know plays a very good shortstop. So yeah, uh, they have some good young pitching too. They got some arms that will develop and be good there. But like you said, in the East, they don't really have a shot for a while. But no, they're not a threat for a while. But they are not as far off as it appeared. No, absolutely not. So, all right um we're going to start with kind of like a pitch clock type thing that came through um jesse winker uh for the brewers now right i can't keep track of where he is he's with the brewers they're playing the yankees i think it was i think so i don't know anyways he is the pitcher's not even on the rubber the pitch clock gets to eight seconds gets down to six, gets to five. And then Jesse Winker kind of hops in the box real quick. And he gets called for the pitch timer violation. Now, if the pitcher's not on the rubber for me to stare at or to look at, I don't think I would, I should have to be in the box. Like it's weird that, that he got called for the pitch violation. On the other hand, like it's his job to be ready at the eight second mark. So whether the pitcher's on the rubber or not, he needs to be in the box looking forward, ready to hit at eight seconds, even if the pitcher's nowhere near the mound. And then the pitcher would ultimately be called, you know, if he didn't deliver within the zero seconds. It's just a weird thing for me, I guess. I don't understand quite what happened there. Yeah, and as we were talking before we went on the air, Nick, I I looked up the rule real quick, and it – the way I'm interpreting it, the batter being ready at eight second eight, at eight seconds is not dependent upon the pitcher being on the mound. So that clock so starts once the pitcher has the ball back. Yeah. The the hitter needs to be ready at the eight second mark. The pitcher doesn't have to get on the mound. I mean, arguably the pitcher doesn't have to deliver the the pitch until the pitch clock runs out. So in theory, he could step on the mound at three seconds, go right into his into his motion to throw, and that would be considered you know a legal pitch. I didn't realize that at first. I didn't think that. 
the eight second rule matter if the pitcher wasn't on the mound, but the way I read it again, it doesn't sound like it, it's dependent upon the pitcher being on the mound. The, the hitter has to be ready and the pitcher has the option to step on the mound whenever they're ready. As long as they deliver that pitch before time runs out. So which is really weird. The, yeah. The pitcher could get the ball back and in 20 seconds, run out to the center field wall, come all the way back, step on the mound and deliver the pitch. As long as it's before zero. I mean, I but mean, the hitter has to be ready at eight seconds. Right. I mean, in theory, the pitcher can go Savannah banana style and dance in the mound for a minute, and then just like step on and throw. Like it's, I, I honestly thought you, that, that, that the batter being ready didn't matter if the pitcher was on the mound, kind of like you. But it looks yeah. like when you read it back, they're not, they're not dependent upon each other. The, the hitter's responsibility is to be ready at the eight second mark. The pitcher's just got to deliver the pitch by the time that clock runs out. Yeah. I, so your pitcher could literally stand there. Wait till the three or four second mark. Step on, go right into the right in their mo- into their rotation, and and let it go, and that would be okay. Which, to me, just seems it seems unnatural. You got a hitter ready before the pitcher is. Yeah, he's just like you know kicking the cleat mat on the back, right. picking up the rosin bag, and there's three seconds left, and the hitter's just standing there like this. Yeah, waiting. Like, yeah. it's weird, strange. But I, but that could be a loophole. You could see pitchers you know use to mess with batters too. Maybe they can get a, they can steal a strike by not looking ready, so the batter doesn't get ready. Who knows? Yeah, um, but that led to the calmest ejection I've ever seen in my baseball career. Jesse Winker then strikes out, you know, on two pitches. He turns around and it, he seriously just looks like he's asking for an explanation from the oh umpire. And the umpire just goes and tosses him. And Winker's just calm, cool, and collected. He doesn't flip out. He's just still walking through it. And the umpire just tossed him. But um it's kind of cool next week uh we are going to have an umpire um that has um to various levels of baseball on with us next week so i'm i would love i can't wait to to get in and ask him about all these like intricacies being behind the plate and asking about some of these rule changes and how it looks from an umpire's perspective instead of just a baseball fan so ryan rand will be on with us next week um and he umpires like i said every level just about in florida now um, so can't wait, can't wait to get him on, but yeah, I'd, I'd love to go. get an umpire's take on some of the stuff that's going on. Yeah, it, it, absolutely. Somebody, you know, somebody, you don't have to be a major league umpire to understand what it's like to umpire because you get the same, you get crap at all levels. You absolutely deal with stupid stuff at all levels. So yeah, some of the stories I can't, I can't wait for. I'm sure he's got some great <laughs> ones, but yeah, the whole situation was just weird for me. And I just, I don't know if I like that aspect of it. If the pitcher's not on the mound. I shouldn't have to be in the box. It just, that's it, how yeah. I look at it. It, it seems weird. unnatural. If he's not ready, why am I getting ready? Because like now, because the hard part is a hitter, like put yourself, you know, think back to our days, Nick, like if you're standing there for three, four five, six seconds, like ready and there's nothing happening, like you start you to you, you kind of, you exactly, you kind of lose your comfort. You start to tense up a little bit. The one of the keys to being a good hitter is to be loose, is to be comfortable and is to be able to shut your brain off. Yeah, you know, because hitting is a reactionary. If you're thinking as a hitter, you know, people always talk about Tony. Tony Gwynn was the smartest hitter. No, Tony Gwynn was like, was like the lights out, nobody's home kind of hitter because that's how he knew to be prepared. He just let his hands react. Yeah. And Ted Williams says it in his book. It's it's re- it's about reaction, not overthinking. But to just stand there ready and t- and tense up, like you're almost forcing the, the batter to call time. Which maybe that's the strategy. You want to waste his time out. He can't call it again on you. But yeah. I still find it weird to be yeah. ready when he's not. And then your only outlets to burn off your time out, which now puts you in a weird spot, the rest of the at bat. Right. Um, another 
couple weird things that happened this week. Um, this was pretty viral for the last couple of days. Aaron Judge peeking over to the dugout. Um, everyone's like, all oh, the Yankees are stealing signs, blah, blah, blah. And, and, and the and internet, the, the internet, internet memes exploded. they made where the oh, memes were excellent. It was so great. I posted a few of them. <laughs> I, so I loved them all. Um, I don't have an, I don't have an issue if, okay. First I was very anti-judge because I'm anti-Yankee, right? You're I mean, that's 100%. just, that's just how I am. Yep. So I'm like, oh yeah, he's getting a signal from the dugout. However, the Blue Jays came out and literally said, yeah, our pitcher was tipping pitches. Yep. So therefore, Judge is getting something from the dugout because the dugout's picking up something, or the mm-hmm. first base coach was. To me, it looked like he was glancing over the dugout. Yeah. The first base coach's eyes wouldn't have moved that much. To me, he was looking at the dugout. That's just my personal uh, personal opinion. Yeah, and I agree. It looks like he's looking at the far end of the dugout. Yeah. There's probably some coach sitting there, and the way he – put his feet or the way he rested his hand was giving some some indication of a sign. And we've seen that before the guy at the end of the dugout will, you know, wave his hat or adjust his hat or turn it or, you know, hold, you know, he'll cross his arms or raise his hand or there's all kinds of ways they do wave signs in. Yeah. I mean, we, I did it in high school. If there was a, I mean, catchers used to hang signs all the time. I'm talking like below their butts and hanging them. Our third base coach would say our first name if it was a fastball and say our number or say our name, if it was a fastball, say our number, if it was an off speed pitch. And I can't tell you yeah. how many hits I got off that stuff. Yep. But oh yeah. It's, it, it and happens. It's, it's part of the game. It's constant. Like it's everything. It's how they hold. It's how they, it's where they hold their glove. Right. It's how they go into their glove. It's arm slot. It's, it's motion. It's tempo. Like as a hitter, you're always looking for that edge. Yep. If yeah, the guy could... holds his hand lower and he throws a fastball when his hands lower than higher, or if he throws from a three-quarter arm slot with a with his fastball, but his curveball comes over the top, like yep. you're picking up on all that stuff. Like I think I remember, I want to say it was in the playoffs last year when Alec Bohm was up and Bryce Harper had just hit and he waved him over and whispered in his ear. Then Bohm went up and hit a home run. It was likely because Harper saw something in his delivery or his motion that said, "Hey, if he does this, it's a fastball." Right. And he told that to Bohm, and three pitches later, Bohm hit a ball deep in the left center seats. That's part of baseball. Yep. You know, there's all kinds of tells. There's all kinds of ways to pick up what a pitcher is doing, whether it's the way the catcher, the way the catcher stands or the way the, the way he signals, the way the pitcher holds his glove or whatever. These guys are always looking for that. When yeah. to your point, if if they're if they're putting a camera in center field and peeking in and that, you know, that to me is cheating. If a guy is doing something that indicates he's going to throw a certain pitch, that's not cheating. That's part of baseball. Uh, absolutely. Thousand percent. So, like I said, I was I was very anti-judge at first yeah. because it looked so conspicuous. Like he wasn't turning his head, nothing. It was just like yeah. the sideways glance. And I'm like, he's looking at something, obviously. Well, and I think um, a lot of people but... remember in 2018 when the Yankees were also accused of cheating and MLB was going to release this big report about it last year and it never came out. It never happened. And everybody's like, well, they just swept under the rug because it's the Yankees and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, the, the Yankees have a track record of doing stuff like this, not always above board. And I, I think fans immediately think they're cheating. Yep. And you know, the Yankees have earned that. It's just like if, if you saw if you saw Alex Bregman look in the dugout like that, we'd all immediately go to them cheating. Because they've proven percent. that's what they do. Hell, even if the Red Sox were doing it right now with right. Alex Cora on the bench, they would think that. You know, yep. like it's Apple not, Watch. Where's the Apple Watch? Right. It's not it's not a one sided thing. It's, it's just it's conspicuous now. Like everybody is very keen to it because of the trash can incident, because of you yep. know the Alex core stuff, like everybody's looking for that kind of stuff. When in fact, 
you know, that's just a baseball play. That's what you do. Yep. So speaking of the trash can incident, if nobody's seen it, there's a, there's a, a video <laughs> online of a couple of Astros fans at Disney world. They're watching the, they're called the jammers. They are janitors that come out and play the drums on trash cans. <laughs> and there's a video of these two Astros fans. They're wearing their space city, city connect jerseys. And the janitors are playing on a trash can that they're da, 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 And the guy goes fastball. And the video <laughs> is absolutely hilarious right it's in the middle so of Disney good. world calling out fastball. Cause they're banging on a trash can. That's so good. Um, and then also another weird umpiring thing. I, I don't remember which teams, I don't remember which game it was. Um, but a pitcher went, you know, after the inning was over, went over, the umpires checked his hands, and the umpires were like, you need to go wash your hands. The opposing manager then comes out and is like, why are you telling him to wash his hands? If you're telling him to wash his hands, that means he has sticky stuff on his hands. And then that manager promptly gets tossed. Of course. And, right. Which he has a point. Like, if right. if you're telling them to if you're t- if you're telling them to go wash their hands and they clearly have something sticky on their hands like i don't i don't understand i don't know where mlb has to go with the sticky stuff it's starting to become more of an issue yeah. than i think they wanted it to be well and i and i wonder if that's the reaction to the last situation where they had i forget was it was the Scherzer situation where they had him use the alcohol wipe and it made it stickier it's almost like MLB's like, okay, well, go wash your hands and come back instead of using the alcohol to make it stickier. But at the same time, if you grab a guy's hands and it's really sticky, uh, you got a problem. It was Cincinnati against New York. It was David Bell that went absolutely nuts. Oh, and then yeah. Herman Marquez uh, <laughs> starting to be a sticky situation. Good one, Doug. Oh, Doug. <laughs> yeah, starting to be a sticky well, situation. Then. I like it. Um. So, yeah, it was the Reds against the Yankees. And then Herman Marquez promptly gets tossed for, like, a full uniform of sticky stuff. Like, he looked like Michael Pineda out there with the big... Oh, my goodness. That was one of the worst ever. Um, But, yeah, I mean, David Bell's got a point. Like, if you're telling him to go wash his hands, he's clearly got something on his fingers. I mean, yeah, MLB's got to draw a line here. If If we think you're suspicious of using the sticky stuff, it's over. Like if, if we're feeling your hand and we're like, boy, it seems like there's sticky stuff. Just call it. You're done. Like yep. if we've got a, if we've got to question it, just call it because you're, you're better off to be safe and say, look, we're enforcing the rule as it's written. If we, if we feel a certain level of stickiness on your hand, you're gone. But to, to mess around with alcohol wipes and washing your hands and trying to figure out, is it sticky? Is it rosin? Like, and not only that, but if, if the concern is rosin, find something else to put on the mound. Like if they're afraid right. that it's just rosin and sweat, well, rosin and sweat is sticky. You know, Trevor Bauer did a whole video proving that rosin with a little bit of sweat is sticky, yep. and rosin's supposed to be sticky. That's why it's there, <laughs> That's so you can the get a grip. Of it. Right. Like you, MLB gives these guys rosin, which when mixed with sweat is sticky, and they do that as a grip enhancer. That's the purpose of rosin. People think it's to dry their hands out. It's not. It's to give them grip. So baseball is giving you a sticky substance and then penalizing you for using sticky substances. It's kind of ridiculous. It's, it's like that you're going to have to like wash your hands after every time you go to the bathroom, after every time you pitch, after every half inning, please go wash your hands. Right. I mean, like, they they should, they, the umpire should know what, what feels like rosin and what feels like more than rosin. Like that's what you're looking for. Is it more than just a little bit of rosin on your hands? Okay. Then you're out of here. Yeah. If it looks I, like it's just rosin, eh, you're good. Just carry on. It's crazy. But 
you had a but when a guy's covered in it like it was all over his waist and his pants and you could see he was wiping his hands like the guy was covered in it like it was clearly not rosin right everybody could tell that which that's the difference like if it's blatantly (laughs) obvious and he's got it everywhere then bye hit the showers thanks for coming but it was all over him like you couldn't even hide it wasn't even trying to yeah i i don't know so i i think they have to come up with something listen if i'm in the major leagues and there's some hitters that came out and said this they're like listen i want these guys to have whatever i want super glue on their hands if it's going to help them put the ball where they need it to go i'd rather have that than a you know 103 mile an hour fastball at my bean like well that's a great point too like these guys need some kind of grip enhancer because i'm not sure how many people have picked up major league baseball recently but those seams are so now embedded into the leather of the ball there's no benefit to the seam. There's no texture. That ball, it's like throwing a cue ball at times. And without something on your hands to get some grip and give you a little bit of tack, you, you'd have hitters taking a lot of fastballs to the dome because these guys throw so hard. And when you're throwing a ball that feels like a cue ball at times, especially on a cold night, that ball is like throwing a cue ball. Mm-hmm. You want the guys to have something on their hands so that people don't get killed. Yeah. Um, and then it comes back to that thing I said a few weeks ago. I I am surprised MLB or MLBPA has not made the mandatory, the cheekbone yeah. mandatory on helmets. Cause if I'm up at the show getting 103 up and in, dude, I'm going in full arm guard. I'm going full catcher leg pad. I'm going full like softball cage, dude. Dude, I'm I showing up in like medieval armor. <laughs> yeah, exactly, dude. I like, there's no way I'm getting hit with one of those. Cause you know, as much as we, I mean, was it a, was it Acuna got, that got hit the other night and lost his freaking mind because he's been hit so many times this year? Like he went yeah. ballistic. Right. But I don't blame him. The friggin' hurts. Like mm-hmm. when you when you take that ball in the in the back of the arm, the rib cage, he got one that hit like the the inside of his right forearm, like the inside of the forearm on, on the arm that's on the umpire side. Yeah. That freaking hurts. And bones get broken and muscles get seriously bruised. Yeah. Um, that hurts and it hurts for days. And I think everybody's like, ah, you know, rub dirt on it, suck it up. That freaking hurts. You take yeah. a 99 mile per hour fastball to a meaty part of your arm. Like, and I'm I don't gonna... blame Acuna for being pissed because the guy gets hit all the time. Yeah. I mean, it hurts in men's league when they're throwing 55. Oh, yeah. I can't even imagine. Yeah, slow pitch softball can hurt. It hits you just right. right. But I mean, it, it, it's not a, it's not a, it's not a joke, you know, no. and these, these pitchers that like to throw up and in to get a response, like that's freaking dangerous. You know, these guys yeah. throw, these guys now throw way too hard to play that game. It's a dangerous game. Agree. A uh, couple other things before we move on to matchups of the past week. Uh, the Pittsburgh Pirates, since their 20 and 8 start, have lost 15 of their last 19 games since their 20 and 8 start. Um, is this schedule? Is this them coming back down to earth? Is it bad luck? Is it all of the above? Um, what do we think it is? It's. I think it's a little bit of everything. So when, you know, when they had the top record, I was really quick to say, and, and Sean kind of gave me crap for it. I was really quick to say they're a pretender. They're not a contender yet because you, you're not going to see what kind of team they are until they get into a losing streak. And then you see how long it goes. They finally hit, they finally hit a bumpy patch and this losing streak has just gotten away from them. It just continues to go and go and go. And I think it's a combination of things. I think it's a, they were playing way over their heads to start the year. They got off to a really good start. The loss of O'Neill Cruz is going to catch up eventually. And it finally has. Yep. Um, so I think it's, I think they got off to a great start. I think it's a young team that had a lot of confidence in April and May when things are going well, but a young team also doesn't know how to get out of a tailspin like this. 
Um, you know, there's still very much, these guys are still learning at this level, how to, how to control a game like that, how to come out of a tailspin, how to stop the bleeding. And they're just not there yet. I, I do think the pirates are a good team. I do think that they're going to hang around during the year. Are they going to be a wild card contender? No, I don't think they're a playoff contender just yet, but that's a good team. They'll come out of this, but what they're proving is exactly what, you know, we had said a few weeks ago was they're not there yet. And this is proof of that. But they're not far off, and they're still a good team. But they're yeah. just—they're just showing they're going through some growing pains right now. They're just—they're not able to get out of this, and a good team gets out of this. Yep, I think their starting pitching kind of overachieved a little bit. There's Absolutely. the first month, month and a half. They're starting to come down to earth. They're up six to one against the Rangers tonight, so this is actually a good oh, test good for, for them. them. That's a good test for them. Um, I mean, they are—they're a good ball team, um, ball club. The Cardinals, we'll talk about them. They're starting to come back up, which I think is going to, they're yeah. going to eventually leapfrog the Pirates here, especially if they keep playing this, you know, four out of 19 stretch type baseball. Yeah. Um, but I mean, they're still fun to watch. I, I still enjoy yeah. watching the Pirates, um, but they're, they're young and they're just, they overachieved that first month and a half. I think they'll be closer. I think they'll be like the Mariners a couple years ago where they were like just a couple games out of the wild card. You know, yeah. they were like three or four games out of the wild card. Yeah. So I could see them finishing third in the central missing the wild card by, you know, three or four games. Right. Yeah. Like I, I, could, I could totally I see that playing out and I wouldn't be surprised, but yeah. you know, but what I will say is that when you look at this losing streak, they're not getting blown out. They're not getting no. destroyed. They're in most of those games. Yep. They just can't, they either can't close them out or they just can't catch back up. Like, yeah, they 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 were doing a lot about the Red Sox to start the season. They were either down earlier, down early, and trying to fight back, or they were blowing some some games late, like the Red Sox of last year. Yep, you know they had some, they'd have some, you know, three to two leads they'd blow in the seventh and eighth inning, and you know that's the sign of a young team. They just they can't quite piece it together all the way. But I do think they'll come out of this. I do think they'll they'll probably finish third in that division. I do think they'll be out of the wild card, but not way out. Um, but it's a huge step forward for that organization who honestly, there's been so little hope there for so long. It's just, it's nice to see them be relevant again yeah, um, with a good absolutely. young core. I will say that good young core offensively has taken a huge step back. Yeah. You know, Winsky's cooled off big time. Yeah. He had I like mean, seven home runs in the first month. I remember being shocked at the batting averages of most of those guys that game in Baltimore. I mean, everybody's hitting 250 or under, like they have cooled yeah. right off. Yep. Um, and normally, you know, as the weather heats up, the hitters heat up. And for them, as the weather heats up, they're cooling off. So yep. there's there's some work to do there. But I don't think that team is is going to like fall into the basement. They just they're going through some growing pains. I agree. Um, and then the last thing leading off is the crazy amount of veterans that got DFA'd this week. Yeah. Um, Weird week. Starting off at the top. Hallelujah. Thank God. Finally. <laughs> Ryan Brazier is uh, gone. My God, I've only been calling for that for two years, I think now. Um, they finally DFA'd him and his infinity ERA. Seems like the guy could never get anybody out. Um, thank God. I, yeah. I was now I can just complain about Corey Kluber not being able to get outs in the starting rotation, but we'll get to him in a little bit. Yeah. Um, so he's DFA'd by the Sox. Eric Hosmer also DFA'd by the Chicago Cubs. Uh, he had like two home runs, like maybe nine RBIs. Yeah, stats were, like, his stats were putrid. And yeah. and honestly, like because of the way he got let go from the Red Sox, 
well, because of how he came to the Red Sox and got let go by the Red Sox, the Cubs are paying him like the major league minimum, still let him go. Um, I feel I feel like as we were talking about before the show, I feel like there's a place for Hosmer somewhere. I think the guy can still play. He's not who he was five years ago, but I think he still has a place somewhere. I just I don't know where. And it I'll tell did, you where. He should have waived his no trade clause and gone to Washington. Well, he should have, absolutely. That's where he should have gone. He shouldn't have played that card and said, nope, I'm not going to Washington when I think Washington could have prolonged his career and he would have played. Well, and Washington's got a young guy, and is it Dominic Smith over there playing first base? Who? Yep. I mean, he's been around a little bit. Yeah, I shouldn't say young guy. I mean, he's he's still younger, but he's not like a rookie. Um, right. But that's a guy who'd benefit from maybe platooning with a guy like a Hosmer, a more veteran guy who could who could show him some things. But yeah, but yeah, I, I've you know Hosmer at Boston wasn't a good spot for him. You know Chicago, I thought was going to be a good fit for him, and it just didn't turn out very well. You know, I mean, for a guy like that, he's going to have to go find an organization like a, I don't know, I mean, a team like the Angels that needs a little needs a veteran presence. Or yeah. I'd love to see a, a veteran presence like that go to a young team like the Pirates, or you know. Maybe even the Orioles, you know, just a way to find get a young get a, get a veteran guy in that lineup to help out. You know, those those younger teams are on the edge. Yeah. Maybe you could benefit from a guy like Hosmer platooning. I mean, I feel like Chicago was a perfect spot for him when they signed him and Trey Mancini. Like both were yeah. just veterans guys that would platoon at first and just didn't work out for whatever reason. Yeah, I think I think the key though, and I think Hosmer probably played more than they wanted them to. I don't think Hosmer is necessarily an everyday guy anymore. No, he's probably a couple days a week, you know, defensive replacement late in games. Like, I feel like he's probably at that stage of his career. Um, And he benefited from being on a younger team where he can kind of mentor some some younger players and, you know, play two, three days a week and and not not be a liability. Yeah, I agree. Um, And then the New York Yankees, their quote unquote, Ryan Brazier, Aaron Hicks got DFA'd. And I guess Yankee fans have been calling for this one for quite a while. Yankees fans feel about Hicks like you feel about Brazier. They've been screaming about him for like a year and a half, like get this guy out of town. Yeah. So, and I mean, Hicks couldn't even stay on the field. It seemed like he was hurt all the time too. So he he was, and when he was there, he was, he was super ineffective. They, I don't know why they kept running him out there when he was healthy. Yeah. Um, And then today the Kansas city Royals DFA Hunter Dozier, which another, you know, guy brought up by the Royals, another veteran. Um, Dozier was DFA today. So, I mean, a lot of veterans that have been on teams for quite a while or have been in the league for a while, um, DFA to make room for honestly these young studs that keep coming out of the minors. It seems like every kid that gets pulled up is like legit, which I mean, obviously, you're at the biggest stage, you're not going to come up if you suck. But like these kids are coming up and making an immediate impact. Like it's the game's in good hands, the youth wise. Anyways, it's it's going to be exciting baseball to watch for sure. The the Dozier one surprised me that he's an outright DFA, not a trade. I feel like that's a guy who might still have some value, although he's been on a kind of a decline since really 2019. I mean, 2019 was his high watermark. But again, Um, everybody on the on the Royals is hitting a buck fifty. Well, that's that's the thing. Like that that whole that entire organization's a hot mess. So it's not like Hunter Dozier was the problem. He's just one of many guys who's seriously underperforming, but a guy who's 31 has had some good years under his belt, has some defensive flexibility. Um, I mean, he's played third base. He's played all over the outfield. I mean, he, the guy could probably play about anywhere. He was a first round pick in 2013. Like, 
you know, he's had some good years. He's got a lot of flexibility. I feel like he's a guy that they probably could have traded for something, but maybe for them it just wasn't worth it and they wanted to make the quick move and move on from him. But doesn't mean they won't still trade him. This is effectively them waving the white flag saying he's available. Um, and if nobody right. takes him, they can always negotiate maybe a way to send him down if they need to. But I don't, uh, yeah. I don't see him coming back. Yeah, and I mean, he wouldn't pull anything off the trade market. Royals are in no position to really make a deal or get anything good for him or anything. I mean, if, so even if you swap some low-level prospects, I mean, you could get something for this guy, I'd think, but maybe it's easier to just let him walk. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, he right. reminds me a lot of Brock Holt. Like, he's that kind of player. Guy can play literally everywhere. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's get into uh, favorite matchups of last week. Um, let's just start off with the absolute um, debacle at Fenway Park that the St. Louis Cardinals put on during our trip, our road trip. We were checking in on the Sox, and the Cardinals just absolutely pounded them into the ground. I know this was like a week ago, a week and a half ago, Yep. but yeah, the Cardinals so have been rolling since. <laughs> Sean and I are sitting in the airport terminal splitting a pizza. He's yelling at the TV um, <laughs> as they blew up on Sunday night baseball. But I mean, honestly that, and that kickstarted for the, for the Cardinals, they've been one of the top three teams in baseball the last week and a half since, since they came into Fenway, they're like 13 and or 12 and three in their last 15 games. Like they've been crushing everybody. Arenado hasn't gotten out. I don't think in a week. No, and, and, and the guy, he absolutely terrorized the Red Sox in that series. Um, you know, and as we we've been saying this for weeks, like that team is better than this. Like they're going to come alive. They can't keep playing like this. And it looks like finally something clicked. And as much as we wanted this, you know, blame it on Ali Marmol. I think you had a lot of guys that were just underperforming that hopefully have come out of it. I mean, Goldschmidt and Arenado, Arenado was off to his worst start in his career offensively. Yeah. Um, and he's come right alive. Um, and be, and because of that, Goldschmidt seeing better pitches to hit, and he's now hitting better too. Like it's it, there's very much a domino effect to this, and they've been great. I mean, they came to Boston. Something about that trip woke them up, or maybe they just finally got tired of sucking and figured they'd they put it together. But that's a team that's moved up to third place. They're a ha they're a handful of games out of first place. They've got the they've got their four games behind the Pirates. They've got them in their sights. They've turned their they've turned everything around. Their pitching's been better. The offense has been way better. Uh, looks yeah. like a different team, but. Yeah. Something about that Boston trip completely turned the tide for them. Jack Flaherty looks like Jack Flaherty again. Like, yeah, he, and the first month and a half, he did not look good. Like, no. still trying to feel it. He's had some back-to-back -back really good outings. Nicholas has looked good um, too, and he was run, yeah. he was he was he was the owner of an almost six ERA coming into Fen into Fenway. So it's just crazy, though, dude. The the last real podcast we had on Monday night, I think the Cardinals had the third worst record in the MLB. Yeah, they had like eleven wins the last time we talked. <laughs> like, <laughs> like crazy, and now they're like third place, threatening a first yeah. place in the NL Central. It's just yeah, and literally Sean and I are sitting in the airport terminal watching them just you know blow that blow the second half of that sunday night game wide open we're just like wow you know yeah. how how did the red Sox let these guys come into town and steamroll them but in reality they've steamrolled everybody since too so yeah i mean the talent we i mean we said it the talent on that team like of goldschmidt and arenado aside we know who the, yeah. those guys are you have nolan gorman who's put up like ridiculous numbers he's been great he hit, he hit another on. big home run for them last night it's listen I, that kid's legit I, I mean there's no weak spot in that lineup for sure and it was just a matter of time before they started clicking again 
So. They're good, and they were going to put it together, and finally did. I mean, their their pitching was bad, the offense was bad, everything was bad there, and what? Yeah. And they've certainly turned the corner. Yeah. Um. Let's get into. I got um, obviously Sox Padres. So. Yep. I. This is hilarious because they put out the it was the last game of the series. Corey Kluber gets lit up in the first inning, and then the Red Sox put out. Um. Oh, the Red Sox win another series, and I just comment on it like. Oh yeah, but we're not going to mention anything about Corey Kluber giving up eight earned runs in the first. And yes, even though they were yep. scored on an error, uh, the error was by him. So right, didn't help his own cause. <laughs> right. So even though they're unearned runs, they should be earned because the error was committed by the pitcher. I know. I always, I always laughed at a pitcher error is unearned, but really it's his own fault and <laughs> right. whatever. It's so funny, but I mean, as much as this, like. The Sox keep winning series somehow, but like the games they lose, it seems like they just get absolutely worked. And well, yeah, it's, 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 it's so weird. It's exactly what I said to you guys. Typical Red Sox. I said, I think I sent you guys a message last night. Typical Red Sox. They win two out of three, but the third game they get destroyed in. Like, yeah, that's been this team's strange. MO. Like, they play two good games and then they lay an egg. Yeah. Um, but what I will say as a Red Sox fan, you know, so first of all, beating San Diego, I, I wanted to see the Red Sox go in, sweep San Diego, blow them up so we could all look at Xander and be like, hey, how's that money treating you? Because you guys are terrible. Um, and hey, we kept the right guy because Devers had a really good series. I think we still made that point a little bit, but I'm not um, I'm not petty like that to actually go make that statement. So, <laughs> But as a Red Sox fan, like I look at the last couple weeks and, you know, Sale seemed to have turned the corner. Yeah, he looks Paxton great. Paxton has looked pretty good. Um, you know, Hauk is, I mean, whoever, whoever fills that four spot, it was Whitlock for a little while and he got hurt. Now it's Hauk. Like there's a revolving door in that spot, but no, he's been pretty, he's been pretty good. Um, Bayo's coming around. Like he's a young guy who's developing. He's, he's, you know, he'll have two good outings and a bad one. He's going to um, be a 500 going. pitcher. I think. Yeah. He's a, right he's now. a, he's, he's a young guy. He reminds me of, of Erod kind of early in his career. Like he great stuff crazy and consistent then it will all click all of a sudden one season he'll go and, and have a hell of a year but so you got sale looks like he's turned the corner paxton's been really good in his two outings back he's making heim bloom look like a genius for grabbing him last year and, and hiding him and he's throwing um, 98 i saw him get up he's, to 98 he's throwing gas better than before i mean his yeah. velocity is better than it was before so sales good paxton looks good bayo's bayo's coming hauk has been serviceable then you got Kluber, and Kluber's a disaster. The guy should not pitch at the major league level anymore. But in reality, with those five guys, you should be able to win three out of five of those starts because you got four guys that are going to give you a real chance to win. And if God forbid Kluber gives you a chance to win, that's a bonus. Yep. Um, and with that, you could be a competitive ball club that makes a run of the wild card spot. But again, like you're relying on Sale to stay healthy, you're relying on Paxton to stay healthy, you're relying on Bayo to continue to improve, you're relying on Hauk to continue to maintain form and Kluber not blow up every outing. Yep. So I look at the Red Sox, and the offense is good. The starting pitching is good, maybe? Like, Ish. I don't know. Ish. The, the bullpen's been good, although Jansen blows two right after getting saved 400. Uh, that um, tough. But that's not typical. No. But this Red Sox team, I think, is better than we expected, but there's still an awful lot of question marks, and they're, they're still that one injury away from falling apart again. Um, and then Jaron Duran, in many cases, has kind of saved the offense because when Duvall went down, we all thought the world was coming to an end. Duran's been better than anybody. He he leads that team in war. Yeah. And and we thought he was dead on arrival when he got here. Yep. 
Yeah, I think their entire approach, whatever tweak they made in their approach at the plate from the first month of the season yep. has completely worked. They're not oh, they're, taking – I know we were sitting there. like They're just taking fastball. It was annoying. Fastball was, down the I, middle. And I couldn't like, watch it. They, they would be – it'd be 0-2 before they took the bat off their shoulder. Yeah. And, and like you said, like if you're – which they are, winning three out of five games, like you're going to be a 600 ball club. Right. You know, and and – Right now, that's what that's pretty much what we got. I mean, I there's still a ton, a ton of baseball left. Um, and this West Coast trip is going to be a good one for them. You know, yep. the Padres, they got the Angels, and then they got my D backs next yep. weekend. I'm excited for that series, really. Um, which I'll get into my Diamondbacks here in a couple of minutes, but um, yeah, I I think the Red Sox are going to be okay, but you're right, they are one injury away from just right. getting. You know, Bobby Dahl back bucket back up into the majors. You know, with his hundred speaking, speaking of which, did you see Bobby like, Dahlbeck's five hundred and fifteen foot home run? That thing was crushed. That ball dude. still hasn't landed. My God, five fifteen, crazy. Yeah, um, there was also a Red Sox post they put out, and they're like, they're like, now it's time for the fans to apologize to Jaron Duran. And these are your right. four options to choose from: A, B, C, D. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, and and yeah. Doug makes a great point. Grant has a top five OPS in baseball. Um, that that you know against people that have more ABs than him. Like he doesn't have that many ABs. Yeah. Um, but his numbers have been have been staggering, and he's he's looked great. Like he came into spring training, you know, in much better physical condition. He was, you know, he's stronger. He's faster. Um, he's been, a, he's been a difference maker. Cause when Duvall went down, we all thought, Oh, great, here we go. Um, and honestly, like when Duvall comes back, Duran might be, might get playing time over him. I, I don't, I don't know. Like it, it's, it gets going to be interesting. That's the interesting part is you got Duvall coming back. You possibly got story coming back, depending on if he has setbacks or anything Are they both slated probably late July, early August would be my guess. Yeah. So they were trying to find it. Um, there was an update a couple days ago about Trevor Story, but he was beginning to throw. They're starting to think about a, a, about a rehab outing or rehab uh, appearance for him and what that schedule would look like. But it sounds like you know you could get Story back after the All Star break. Um, you know the, the most the most aggressive timeline had him coming back in August, which it looks like may actually happen because it sounds like the surgery went well. Some guys that get the surgery, like Sean Doolittle, and granted being a pitcher is different, but Doolittle was out for almost almost a year. Yeah. You know, where Tommy John's more like 18 months, so it's a shorter version of Tommy John. Doolittle being a pitcher is out for for longer. Looks like Story could be back maybe in August. Um, you know, somebody said July, and I, I think that might be a bit early, but who knows? If, if it takes really well, you know, maybe he is back that soon. But you get him back, you send Kike back to the outfield because Kike's been a – serviceable shortstop i guess i'd call it he's made some great plays he's made some really terrible plays yeah um he I mean, he looks like a guy out that's not experienced at shortstop you know he's he's relying totally mm-hmm. on athletic ability and, and not on instincts i think overall since he's been there more consistently he's been more consistent as weird as that he, yeah he's nice gotten better as the season's gone no you're right because <laughs> right. i think i mean early on it was all athletics he had no instincts he was just he was relying upon his athletic ability yep um but yeah, I mean, I think we're, I think they're going to be all right. I, I think the Red Sox are, they are who they are at yeah, this, this point. I, I don't think we're going to see much variation from the team that we're looking at right now. 
No, I think I this would is like, who they are. I would like to see this might be a pipe dream. If you could just DFA Kluber, like bye, see ya, thanks. Yep, see ya, thanks. thanks for your month and a half, and then trade for Lucas Giolito. Giolito will be a rental. Okay. He might end up going to a contender. That's probably what's going to happen. But yeah, the Red Sox could also be in a position to contend. But what would it take? Yes, he's a rental. Would it take a prospect or two? Would it take a Bobby Dahlback to, to go to Chicago for Giolito? I might do that. I, I mean, listen, we've seen Dahlback up here. We've yep. seen what he does. When that dude's hot, he's freaking hot. It's it's unreal. Yep. You can't keep the ball in the ballpark. But then you deal with his 200 strikeouts the next two weeks. So it's yep. like... Yep. I, I'm okay with that. If it's going to give us a, a serviceable starter, that's going to give me a chance to win every single outing. And that's what Giolito does. He's around the plate. He throws strikes. He's not overpowering, but he throws no. strikes. And that White Sox team is a debacle. I, I can't even wrap yeah, my so head bad. around that organization or what's going on. The talent on that team, Tim Anderson still hasn't hit a home run. Um, I We were talking about that the other week. Abreu. Anderson and Benatendi. Uh, You have Anderson and Benatendi there. Not haven't hit a single home run for the White Sox. Yeah, there's there's an organizational problem there. This is not like a this is not the manager. This is not player performance. Like this is an organizational problem. Yeah, there's something bigger at play there. I I mean, I would love to see Giolito in Boston. I think he'd be fine. You know, definitely an upgrade from Kluber at this point. Whether that happens or not, I doubt it. But here's my here's my theory on on the Red Sox. I don't suspect the Red Sox are going to make a big, a big trade deadline deal, and and this is why they never do. They currently sit at a game and a half out of the wild card, but the problem is they're sitting behind Baltimore, the Yankees, and Houston. Now, if I'm Heim Bloom, I'm looking up at those guys, going, I'm not one pitcher away from getting past those guys. I'm more than that. Fair. So, do I trade off prospects to get that one pitcher to get closer and still miss it, or do I? just sit tight for this year. Let it be the bridge year. I was expecting it to be and reload for next year. Cause my, when I look at, when I look at who they're behind, I don't, the Red Sox are not one pitcher away from catching those guys. They've, they've got bigger, they've got more issues or more needs than just that to catch them. They're closer than I thought they'd be. But if I'm high bloom, I'm not giving anything away to get Giolito to just finish a little closer, but still miss it. Right. Especially when you're not going to get him. If it's a sign right. and an extension, maybe I think about it, but yeah, if he's coming Probably. here to sign an extension, different story. If he's coming here to be a rental and go and go get a bigger bag somewhere else, there's no point because he, he's we're not we're not going to get over the hump because of Giolito. Like yeah. Doug says, bring Moncada back. I mean, package those two, but I don't think the White Sox get rid of Moncada. I, that oh. he's the cornerstone of that franchise right now. He is, but, but like, let's be honest. I mean, Moncada's. Mankata's been very Jekyll and Hyde for them. Oh, a thousand. Very Jekyll and Hyde. I mean, he has a good year and then a down. A good year and then a down year. Um, he honestly, he might be the biggest tease we've seen in in a long time. The guy's got insane talent. But when this when you look up when you look at the stats, you go, Oh, that's it? Yeah. And he misses a ton of games. Yeah. <laughs> he misses a lot of baseball games. Yep. Yeah, you're right. But I mean, I think you're right. I think the the Red Sox are too many pieces away from really competing. Um, but who knows? I mean, 
these next two months they could go on an absolute run be in the driver's seat and and need and need something so i mean who knows we might know more about mid-june end of june and then make a call from there but the red sox have probably three weeks right now to make a statement of are they a serious contender or not and i think that dictates what they do next i I think this team, you know, I thought this team would finish around 500 based on the way the roster is constructed. I think they're probably going to win 85 to 88 games. They probably, they're not going to make the playoffs. They're not going to win a wild card. They're going to finish game a few games out of there, but they are a little bit better than I thought. Yeah. But at the same time, I will be happy to, I will be happy to say if somebody gets hurt, well, that's what I, you know, that's why I was afraid of this team is that you're always you're one injury away from a big problem because if god forbid sale goes down or paxton rangers that arm or you know name name somebody else that's important jansen goes through a, a streak of, of ineffectiveness this team's in trouble yep this is oh grab that please thank you sorry um <laughs> yeah i i don't know I mean, it's just crazy. This we keep bringing it up, but this balanced schedule is absolutely nuts because the it entire is. AL East is over 500. All of the teams could practically be leading every other division in baseball, and three of them aren't going to make the playoffs. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's well, just crazy to me. I crazy. mean, you got you got Tampa Bay, who's been who's played 500 ball for the last week and a half, and they still have a two and a half game lead over the Orioles, but. That Orioles team is legit. They're so good. They are legit. And the Yankees have come back to life, too. They went through a a stretch there. The injuries were really killing them. And, you know, Judge is back, and that lineup seems to have, have mellowed a little bit. And they've they've won eight of their last ten. And, you know, the Red Sox have been 500 again. Like, that's that's what you get with the Red Sox. They're going to they're gonna spend a week going seven and three. The next week, they're going to go five and five. That's yeah. Or next stretch, I should say. The- that's, that's just who they are. Yeah, the crazy thing is the last place team in the AL East, the the Toronto Blue Jays, yep. are in first place in the AL Central. If they are in the AL Central, they are in first place. They are. They're tied with Minnesota. It's it's crazy. There was one point the AL East and the AL Central was in perfect order by record. Yep. Like it was just it's it's nuts. I mean, balance schedule is going to be interesting. How it comes down the stretch here and what races look like. You know, you're going to have some important games, and it's going to be like uh, Yankees against the Brewers, and then the Orioles against the Marlins. You know, something weird like that. When there's like an actual tight race for first place, like you're just not going to see, you know, the Yankees and Orioles duking it out like you usually see the divisions play each other that last month. Yep. So. Well, it's going to look a little different. We'll see how it comes out. But that's the other thing too with the wild card. You know, I mentioned the Red Sox are gaming up out in the wild card behind Houston, the Yankees, and Baltimore. Well, Toronto's a game behind them, and you know, Toronto can go out and sweep somebody tomorrow in, in this this next series and be and leapfrog the leapfrog the Red Sox. Like, there's you've got some got some pretty stout teams here in the top ten of the American League that are going to make this really interesting. Yeah. Um, the last matchup that. I watched a lot of was Arizona Diamondbacks and the Pittsburgh Pirates. If you guys have been watching for the last probably month, I have been very high on this Arizona team and they are young. They're fun to watch and they're in second place in the AL West right now. They are. They've been good. And San Diego has been a disaster. So Arizona's capitalized on that chance. Um, 
they're young guys. They have David Fletcher. He's a young a rookie. Came up. The dude had a, like he was a triples short of the cycle. I think on his debut, like home run, double, like just absolutely raking all over the place. He's playing center. You got veterans like Cattell Marte, Christian Walker. Um, Christian Walker is, then, is so underappreciated too because most people have no idea who the guy is. Right. Uh, Corbin Carroll is <laughs> ridiculous. Yep. He's hitting in their three hole there. He's crazy good. Um, I mean, and then this other guy, Perdomo, he's at the bottom and he's got like a, he's close to 300, if not over 300. And he just keeps rolling that lineup over and over and yep. over. And you look and the Diamondbacks have five on the board every night. Their pitching is a little inconsistent, but they got some good guys. They got some young talent. They got Merrill Kelly in there. Um, they have some some good pitching. Zach Gallen is there. Um, well, and what's amazing too is Arizona took two out of three from Pittsburgh in that series, and Gallen took the loss. He was terrible. Yeah, um, he had a really bad night, and then you know then they then they came back in and they won uh, the next two games. Yep. With um, uh, Kelly got the win on Sunday, and it looks like at the bullpen got the win on Saturday because it was a tight game yep. that switched leads late in the game. But I mean, you you win two out of three, and your ace Zach Gallen was terrible. Like that's a pretty good sign that you've got some depth there. Yep. And uh, there's another kid, uh, Pavin Smith. He's kind of, or Pavin Smith. I don't yep. know how to really say it, but he's had two home runs this week, big ones to put them ahead. Um, I turn them on every night. I've watched them more consistently than the Red Sox lately. Um, I, I've watched so many teams. Besides, I, I don't find the Red Sox style of baseball to be all that exciting to watch. Um, I just don't enjoy watching them, but I've had a lot of fun watching some other teams. And then, um, um, and the, D-backs, one of them. And Lourdes Gurriel Jr., he came over in the Dalton Varsho <laughs> trade with uh, Gabriel Marino, and both of them are making huge impacts for Arizona. Yep. It's They're fun, and I'm just high on them. I can't wait to buy my plane ticket to Phoenix and get out there because I'd, I'd yep. love to watch them for a few games for sure. But. Absolutely, yeah. And the one series I'll add, too, that I enjoyed watching was Seattle-Atlanta. You know, Atlanta took two out of three, and Atlanta's kind of the – Atlanta's risen to be kind of the – cream of the crop of baseball right now yeah um you know seattle seattle lost two out of three they were in every game very competitive i mean they lost the game on sunday three to two that was a nail biter right to the end um you know they seattle's come back to life you know they're still under 500 they're working their way back up but i think you know a strong showing against atlanta certainly helps their cause atlanta is so good they're so deep they're so good I mean, Acuna looks like the Acuna of old, you know, Olsen is Olsen is nasty in the middle of that lineup. They just, you know, Dansby Swanson leaves and they don't miss a beat. Yeah. And their ticket prices are definitely showing that Atlanta. Yeah. There's the world series effect, right? (laughs) Man, I'm going to the Rockies and Braves and I'm sitting out in like the left field second tier section. And they're still like 68 bucks a piece. I was like, yeah. And and just an observation I want to make about the, about the NL East is that the Mets are for real. The Marlins are coming back to reality. They're just a game over 500, and they'll probably fall under 500. Philadelphia is a mess. They really are. Uh, that, their pitching has been atrocious. Their offense has been good. Their pitching has been atrocious. The Mets have a lot of holes. You know, we saw two games in D.C. They, they split those two games. Um, the Mets are an unimpressive team. They've, they are wildly inconsistent. I mean... If if Pete Alonso doesn't hit a late game three run home run, they got nothing. Uh, which like, he did they, like three times this week. Which he did literally the whole weekend. He I think he won every game with a late game home run. Like 
that team is so heavily reliant on a couple of guys to come up with big hits. There's a lot of holes in that lineup. The Max Scherzer does not look good. His his not look like the Max of old, although he and Verlander look great this weekend. Um, he does not look like the Max of old. I just that is an incredibly unimpressive team to me to see live. They've got some young guys. You know, Beatty I think's got a future. I think he's going to be a good player. Um, but he's going through typical young guy struggles. He's up and down. Yeah. Good game, bad game. Good game, bad game. Um, there's just too many holes in that lineup. Too many holes in that lineup. Too many holes in that rotation. Too many holes in that bullpen. That bullpen is a friggin' house of cards. Yeah. Um, and granted, losing Diaz hurts. Like you lost your stopper, and that messes the whole bullpen up. So you got guys pitching kind of out of position in theory. Not an impressive team. And honestly, I could see the Mets being a team that limps into the playoffs only because they're the NL. I don't think is quite as strong as I expected them to be. The Padres are a train wreck. Um, I thought I thought you have a situation where the Mets would be much more competitive, but a lot of holes. Not an impressive but team. But this is the year that a team like Pittsburgh, a team like Arizona, a totally team, one of those teams kind of sneaks in there because well, the Mets aren't necessarily there yet or they're falling well, back, get, you know, get this. If the, if the season ended right now, obviously we're at May 22nd. So it's really early. Your division winners are Atlanta, LA and Milwaukee. Your wildcard teams are Arizona, Pittsburgh, and the New York Mets sneak into the last game, a last spot, a half a game ahead of Miami. Like in what universe are you talking about the Dodgers winning the West, Milwaukee winning the Central, Arizona and Pittsburgh making the playoffs? Right. Like in what universe? Yeah. Pa- Padres nowhere to be found. Phillies yeah, nowhere San, to be San found. San Diego's three and a half games out there, five games under 500. San Francisco is, I actually think San Francisco is a bigger threat to the Dodgers right now than San Diego is. I agree. I um, agree and Philadelphia can't figure out what the hell's going on. No. It's just, they're down five and again, to three. Philadelphia. Another team that's too good to be where they are, but here they are. San Diego, too good to be where they are. St. Louis is on the on the rise up. They're they're one win away from overtaking San Diego. Yeah. Like it's it's been a weird season, but it's been at the same time, it's been nice to see some new teams, you know, in the hunt. Yeah. And again, I think I think again, keep bringing it up, but it's how this schedule is also laid out. You know, there's a lot yep. of out of division games, a lot of out of league, interleague games. It's just, it's strange. And I think it's weird to us because we've never seen it play out this way. You know, right. like they're not, yeah, just the amount of games right. that they're playing in division isn't as many as we're used to. So, right. And weird. just one more thing to add before we move on yep. Aaron Boone is a terrible, terrible manager. You're welcome, Sean. Yeah. Even though the Yankees have moved up two spots, he's, he's awful. He still stinks. All right. He's a terrible manager. You're welcome, Sean. <laughs> Seventh inning stretch matchups for next week. Now, the matchups for next week, there's some really good there's ones a, coming up. There, it's a good week of baseball. We got just right off the top, we got Rangers Pirates, we which is going on now or, yep. or just uh, finished. Um, yep. Astros Brewers, Orioles Yankees, Diamondbacks Sox, Padres Yankees, Rangers Orioles, Pirates Mariners. Those are the ones I had. There's still some. More. I say you got. You got Dodgers at Atlanta. Yep. <laughs> um, you got Houston at Milwaukee. Yep, said that one. Oh, did you? Oh, sorry, Toronto at Tampa Bay. Yeah, you. There. This is this is a really really great week of baseball, dude. Randy Arozarena tonight. He gets up. The whole crowd is chanting Randy, Rand bomb. I mean, the guy is he's like next level. <laughs> 
He's he's on a, he's Dude, like in another world right now. Chanting Randy and he goes a yard. Like, yep. I mean, come on now. That yeah, I next week's recap might be absolutely nuts because I don't know how this week's gonna play out, but um yep. man oh man. I'm I'm really interested. I can't wait to see the Sox and Diamondbacks. I'll stay up every night and watch that that series. <laughs> um, you yeah. know, both my teams going at it. Um and yes, I I am taking on the Arizona Diamondbacks as my second team. I am all in on them, I, and have been. You, you you've been obnoxiously consistent about the Diamondbacks. I love it. I'll give you that. I'm one. I'm all in. I'm, I I am Sean's Mets. The Diamondbacks are my Mets. Yeah, right. <laughs> so yeah. Does that mean they're going to disappoint you in the end? Anyways, we're going to be moving on. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. No, I mean, but yeah. the the headline for this week is it's going to be an. A fantastic week of baseball. Yeah. Buckle in and enjoy some good. Yeah, baseball. there's going to be some great matchups. I'm sure some of the pitching matchups are going to be insane too. I can't wait for those. Oh yeah, they haven't even announced half of them. It's going to yeah. be good. All right, some good battles. Uh, rounding third question with um, the Cincinnati Reds City Connects coming out, and then oh, we'll talk about them after this. The Baltimore oh, Orioles City Connects coming out. Um, I threw out what are your favorite complete team uniform sets so like don't give me like oh the 95 road marlins jerseys if you're gonna go 95 marlins it has to be the complete set the alternates the homes the aways the city connects now um that was my question we did have two uh two responses if i can find it here um one of them was um we said what uh henry henry larose said white Sox, rockies and washington were his top three. Oh, all right I, I i like the the rockies i think are good washington's good yep. we got to see the um city connects when we were down there in washington those are nice <laughs> for uniforms. two innings yeah for two innings. well <laughs> we saw him at least right. through the mist <laughs> right um he's uh henry did say he did like the red Sox um because i love the navy blue red Sox personally and the red um, but he doesn't like the um, the City Connect uniforms, which is pretty much a consensus, yeah, I think. Fair enough. Um, Nick Fanning said um, Rockies. Well, if we have to include the City Connects as a third, yeah. then mine would be Rockies, Brewers, Red Sox are his top three. Um, but if he said alternates instead of City Connects, he would go Phillies, Athletics, Cardinals. Now that list to me, I love the the baby blue and maroon for the yeah. Phillies are fire. Those ultimate alternates they, are ridiculous. The, yep, and the, those are two of my three are on his list. The the yellow on the Kelly green for the Athletics, as much as they suck, those yep. uniforms are fire. Um, and then yep. baby blue, baby blue Cardinals. But yep, yeah. Uh, what did you what did you have, Harrison? So my three are the Mariners. I've always loved the Mariners. Um, the A's, I like the A's. I've always, I've always liked the A's uniforms. Cause they're, they, they do have like a clean traditional look, but they got like these, the bright color matching and the way they tie it all together is good. And the Cardinals, I like the, I like the baby blues with all the red on them. I like the, I like the combinations they've got. I will say the Orioles were on my list until they released the city connects and they lost me. My goodness. <laughs> I was really hoping that leak was not what they were and it was yeah it, i loved was it your comment of you know did great britain make these question mark <laughs> yes. like, like that's bad like 
it was Great Britain's uniform on steroids is pretty much oh, one it was. So bad. Yeah. Um, mine are, which my number one is also probably the same as Sean's. We kind of talked about this on our trip, is the Pittsburgh Pirates for me. Yeah, those their are their roads, their altern- alternates, their homes, everything about the Pittsburgh Pirates are clean. I love it. The the cursive Pittsburgh on their ways. And I'm yeah. not a huge away gray person. I think gray is boring. But it's boring. But those with the black outline and the, the yellow lettering, oh, love it. Yeah. I'm with you on Seattle. Every uniform they wear is just unreal. Um, I did get their City Connect hat. That's probably going to be on my oh, head cool. next yep. week. Um, so good. And then again, I'm going to bring them up, but the Diamondbacks, I love that, like that off red with the, the teal, um, and all their uniforms. I love, I I love all their uniforms and even going back to like the Randy Johnson, Kurt Schilling. I mean, the pinstripes with the a, this a, but it was the purple and teal. Um, but I tend to like the red and teal better. Yep. Yep. Those are good. Um, Yeah. And then one more viewer, um, Craig said, uh, like the old school Marlins as a whole set, like the teal, the oh, yeah. stripes that I, I mean, those are probably top five of all time. Yeah. I, I mean, say if we're going, if we're going old school uniforms, I would go the old school Mariners when they had the, when they had the sleeveless ones. Yeah. I cut yeah, off those were fire. The Griffies. Yeah, those were fire. So the Marlins, those were fr- those were those were fire. The original Devil Rays, those were fire. Yep. There's so many good ones. But all right, we got some stuff to wrap up here. Other news. Um, like we said, the Orioles dropped the City Connects. If you have not seen these, they're atrocious. It literally just says Baltimore in like the font that you would write your college oh. paper in. And then on yeah. like the inseam, if you look at like Cedric Mullins has his sleeves rolled up and like his yeah, collars like kind of halfway yep. down, they have this weird like bubble print on the inside. I don't know. It's how to like explain this it. bright, colorful pattern. I, I don't. I don't get it. it doesn't make it's, any sense to me. It's weird, but the it's just black and white, and then their names are in orange on the back, and that's it. I I don't. I don't I, I I don't I don't get this one. It literally looks like yeah. So yeah. So the, the the colorful interior is supposed to represent their different neighborhoods. I don't know. Whatever. So why wouldn't you put that on the outside? Because apparently they wanted to go all black uniforms. I don't know. The general consensus. You read all the reviews of these, um, and the general consensus is they're not good. Like the uniforms aren't good. I wonder if the team at any point can be like, hey, Nike, uh, can you stop? Like, Yeah, so the uniforms are supposed to pay tribute to the city's many neighborhoods and their diverse, the diversity they've got, the diversity of their, the stories, the, you know, all the, all the different segments of Baltimore. It's supposed to be tying that all together. And it's, I I don't know, they're doing the, you know, they did the all black look with the Baltimore typeface. Um, but if you're gonna do that, know. do it so it's visible. Like, yeah, I, and there's they're they were doing that to they were doing that in conjunction with the Maryland Institute College of Art. Like, it's I don't know. I, I feel like they might have had a they might have had a purpose here, but the execution of them was not good. Like the uniforms just look incredibly bland. I would almost like put those as my full sleeves. Like you look at 
you look at the freaking right. um, Padres uniforms, they got the bright teal and they got the bright pink. Like, put the put that inner design like on the sleeves, make some color pop or something. Like, it's yeah, it's weird that you have to like, oh hey, check this out, and you're like turning your shirt inside out. Like, oh look how cool my uniforms are. Well, you can't see them. I, I don't know. It's weird. And then it's just like a cursive B as their hat, right? But like that's it. Yep. Yeah. And apparently somewhere on the uniform, there's the slogan, you can't clip these wings, um, which is some some Baltimore-based poet wrote. I, I don't see where that is on the uniform. Apparently it's on there somewhere, but hmm. maybe it's on a sleeve it's somewhere. It's probably written in black on the black. <laughs> yeah, right. But uh, I mean, the, the uniform, the uniform, like it, it just, it doesn't, it doesn't impress you. Like it just looks, it's, it's black with a very boring type on it. And we were, we were going to get a dud here soon, right? They killed it with the Mariners. They killed it. I, I mean, I like the Texas ones. Um, yeah. Since he was, those are, those are fire. I, those I are love amazing. the Cincy ones. I'm not crazy about the hat logo, but at least it's different. That's all yeah. I asked for. It's different. Yeah. yeah. No, it's they fair. better. It's not great, but it's different. They better not mess up these pirate ones or I am going to the MLB office myself and firing Nike. They better not yeah. mess up these Pittsburgh ones. I no, will be ripped. Pittsburgh has to be a fire uniform because their everyday uniforms are fire. And they have one of the best ballparks, if not the best ballpark in the country. I mean, something right. with the bridge, something to teal and steel, uh, to bring tie in Steel City, yep. something you got to do something. There's, there's so much history. There's so many things they can tie in. Like, Absolutely. I feel, I feel like if you're a uniform designer for the Pirates, like there is no shortage of great things you can do with that uniform. Yeah. Absolutely. But Baltimore's those are duds. Yeah. All right. Uh, Mike Trout passes Ken Griffey Jr. and Pedro Martinez on the all-time WAR list Thursday night. The dude's 31. And is not slowing down. Uh, he's. Uh, okay. At this point in his career, if you took Ken Griffey Jr. at 31 and Mike Trout at 31, who's the best player? Trout. I, I, not, I'm not even thinking about it. It's Trout. Yeah. I I mean, it's, it's insane what this guy's doing, and it's just a shame that he's just going to rot away in Anaheim for his career, and not everyone's going to be able to enjoy what this guy brings to the ball field every single night. Um, it's, yeah, it, it's it's silly. It's I mean, it really is silly what this guy's doing, and he continues to be a prevent, perennial MVP candidate. You know, the Silver Slugger's like an automatic. I mean, he, he's, he's hitting 281 with 10 home runs and 23 RBIs right now on a team that's I mean they're coming around they've they're they're back in contention but he's been he's had no help no protection for so many years there the guy just puts up crazy numbers what what would what would his career look like if he was in Boston or New York or LA like you know the real LA not the LA of Anaheim right i mean it's it's a totally different career trajectory the guy's got multiple rings and he's you know he's on every freaking billboard and advertisement you can find but Honestly, when you know, and I've said this before, when you look at Trout, Trout is not the kind of guy that wants endorsements. He doesn't want a lot of the spotlight. He doesn't want to put himself out there like that. I honestly think he likes being in LA of Anaheim because he's in a big market without big market expectations. Yeah, that's a great point. I don't think he's the kind of guy that would want to be in the real LA or New York or Boston or Chicago. I think he likes being kind of in a second tier market. 
But like the best baseball commercial out there right now is freaking the Sandlot guy behind the plate, and then he comes up and he hits a bomb to center, and Ken Griffey Jr. robs it. Like yep. it's it's such a great commercial. But think like, about that. When was the last time you saw Mike Trout in a commercial? Oh, never. You I, did I don't, because no. he never wanted to do them before. No. So it is interesting. He's a guy who's who's been very adamant. He's not he's not big in the limelight. He doesn't want to do the endorsement things. He's starting to do some stuff. I think because the league is like, please help us, Mike. Like every kid in the world wants to be you. Like help us. Um, but the guy just continually puts up stupid numbers on a team that really, except for the last couple of years, hasn't been competitive. Absolutely insane. Um, so to kind of bring back to the New York Mets, Gary Sanchez was signed by the Mets and brought up. So he is called up by the Mets. Gary Sanchez is now on the New York Mets. So he is back in New York and suiting up. Because Francisco Alvarez, as young as he is, he's got flashes in the pan. He does. But that's it. They need somebody a little bit more consistent. I don't know if Sanchez is your idea of consistent. No, they they hope he runs into one on occasion. but but that Which is better than Alvarez is right now. Exactly. Alvarez is running into nothing right now. Well, and the game we were at, I forget who started at catcher for them, but he was four for four in his first game up. Oh, um, yeah, it was a rookie. I can't remember his name. Will, uh, Wilson, or I can't remember his last name. I, I honestly, like it, it, I'm losing. I can't remember who it was, but the dude, I mean, it was like two doubles and a couple of singles. Like he was just, he was an automatic hit. Yeah. Uh, they haven't gotten anything out of Alvarez. But again, I go back to the Mets are an unimpressive team. And who would have thought a three hundred plus million dollar payroll is going to have Gary Sanchez getting called up in May to fill a catcher hole? Like, right? That that is a seriously defective team. Yeah, it really is. It's it's strange, is what it is. I, I don't have any other words. They got holes all really. over the place. They got weakness all over the place. Yeah, just not. It's it, it's too <clears> top. <throat> you got eighty six million bucks of your payroll is in Scherzer and Verlander. Yeah. Who combined for what? Four wins, five wins. Yeah, and I mean, what we were talking about it is like Scherzer is making seventy million a year because the right. Nationals still owe him thirty million dollars. Imagine we watch Scherzer pitch against the Nationals, and imagine the Nationals being like, "Dude, we're paying this guy thirty million a year to beat us." Yeah, I mean, do you think he picked up his check on the way out of town? Well, so, so they could avoid having to send it to him. Probably. I mean, it, it's it's like, it's it's wild to think yeah. they're paying him to pitch for the Mets, but. But at the same t- at the same time, that's what deferred contracts get you. I mean, hell, the Orioles are still paying Chris Davis. The Mets are still paying Bobby Bonilla. Ken Griffey Jr. Yeah. is one of the top five highest guy highest paid guys in the Cincinnati Reds right now. Yeah, it's that's that's what deferred contracts lead to. I mean, Ken Great. Griffey Jr. is in the top five payroll of the Cincinnati Reds, and he hasn't been on the field in how many years? I mean, that's where we're at. Crazy. Um, Kumar Rocker. So he's now with the Rangers, I believe. Um, Rangers, yep. So he is out with Tommy John. So he got he drafted is, originally by the Mets, right? And then he sat out and went back yeah, in the draft. He went to independent ball, I think, for a year, right. and then went back to the. That's right. He refused. The, the Mets draft. didn't want to. The Mets would not offer him what he wanted, so he sat. He went to independent ball. The Rangers. He then went back in the draft. The Rangers drafted him, which I thought was a steal because then the Rangers would have Lighter and Kumar Rocker from that same Vanderbilt team. Yep. But the Mets were right. They had concerns about his arm, which is why they wouldn't give him the contract. And here he is getting Tommy John surgery within yep. the first few months of being in the minors. Yeah, I think it was shoulder for Rocker was the reason the Mets didn't want him. That's right. It was. It wasn't even the elbows, the shoulder. Yeah. So crazy. Um, 
Adolis Garcia for the Texas Rangers is on pace for 167 RBIs this season. Yep. He leads the league. He's got more than Devers. I think it was 49, and Devers has 44. I 44, think, yeah, was, 49 to 44. Yep, which is insane if you think about it that way. Like if he's paced well, but, out 167. Yeah, Garcia's leading baseball. Devers is second in baseball. Those guys are both on pace for 150 plus RBIs. Like that's crazy. <laughs> Nuts. When was the last time we saw a guy get a, more than 120 RBIs? I mean, I remember the days of Juan Gonzalez getting 100 at the All-Star break. 109 you know, at the All-Star yeah, break. Yeah, guys don't drive in that kind of those that many runs anymore. Like, you don't see that kind of RBI production anymore. It's because no one's on base anymore. That's the it's problem. All, it's, it's all a long It's ball. all freaking home runs. But Yeah. Um. All right. So here we go. We're going to move on to the Oakland A's here for a little <laughs> bit. Um, $1.5 billion. 30,000 seat stadium approved in Vegas. I don't know if Wild. it's completely official, but that's their proposed plan. Um, couple things here. Why is it only 30,000 seats? I mean, I, I know why it's only 30,000 seats. So then they can mark up the prices of all the seats, right. but like you get a world series in there. You're it's smaller than Fenway park. Yeah. Like that's a tiny stadium. Yeah. So, well, I don't so know. From, so what, from what I was reading, it's a combination of two things. One, they want to make the tickets more exclusive so they can charge a higher price. But two, they're also trying to jam this into a relatively small footprint. Mm, oh, they can't right. expand out like they did. But let this sink in for a minute. And if you're an Oakland A's fan, I apologize because this is really going to piss you off. But Oakland Athletics owner John Fisher is set to contribute more than a billion dollars towards the cost of that ballpark. That would be the largest stadium investment by a Major League Baseball owner in league history. So the owner is going to put up a billion dollars towards building the stadium, which is the most any owners ever invested in a ballpark. So if you're an A's fan and you're sitting there going, you know, you know, screaming the owner's cheap. No, the owner's not cheap. He's just not going to invest where he's not wanted. He's going to go be, invest somewhere else. And let's be clear. He wanted to put this ballpark in he, Oakland he on tried, the water. He's been Oakland trying for no. years. Right. He's been Oakland so no. in his defense, he's been trying for years and he's even offered to pay to pay this kind of money for it to stay in Oakland and put the ballpark in place and the city made him made him jump through hoops and wouldn't wouldn't play ball. So now he's going to go to Vegas and plop down all this money to build out this ballpark. So the the issue here as as we continue to find out, the issue here was not the owner. The issue was the city. That's why every other team has left Oakland. Yep. The city doesn't want the professional sports franchises, and they've clearly articulated that to the to the people involved. So he is gonna drop he's gonna drop a billion dollars personally on this ballpark. That's how badly he wants to get out of Oakland. <laughs> Meanwhile, as putrid as the Oakland A's are, they have the league leader in OPS <laughs> with Brent Rooker. Yep. who is, is above Devers in OPS. And he's estuary, good. Yeah, he's very good. And Estuary Ruiz has 24 stolen bases already. May 22nd, so, he's got 24 steals. Last year's leader was was Birdie in, in Miami with 41 for the whole season. Like, But the Oakland A's give up 15 runs a game because their pitching that's, staff is that's atrocious. Thing. They but, have zero pitching. They've got a few good young hitters, and that's it. That's all they got. But it's just crazy that you have two guys that lead league in, in offensive stats, and they can't win double-digit ball games. I like, would not be shocked if Oakland makes this move to Vegas and Fisher goes crazy in free agency and loads that team up. 
It wouldn't surprise me. Because he's going to have to sell tickets. Yep. And the thing is, Fisher is the only guy in the league that can spend like Cohen personally. Yep. And everybody, the 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 rumor is that when this move happens, Fisher's showing he's got the money, putting a, making a billion-dollar commitment to a ballpark. The guy's got the money. Once that ballpark opens, he's going to spend like crazy to put a competitive competitive team there. That team is going to be loaded. Especially by the time they get there, those oh, yeah. two other, those two other teams possibly coming into into the league. Yep. He's gonna he's gonna want some big names there in Vegas. And I tell you tell you who's going there. Bryce Harper's going home. Oh, if if you're Bryce Harper, you are finding a way to get there because you is are you are going home. Yep. You are absolutely going home. I'm going to Philadelphia. The minute that's that's open, he's probably going to go to Philadelphia and be like, how do you trade me there? Like, get yep. me out of here. A thousand percent. Um, Staying with the A's, obviously, like I've been saying. There's this more to pod, talk about with the A's? Yeah. This one's <laughs> not so good. Okay. Good. As I've been saying this entire podcast, I've been watching the Diamondbacks a lot, and they mm-hmm. played Oakland in Oakland. Oh, yeah. And there was 2,000. 64 paid attendance there at the game. Whew. That's it. However, they panned out numerous times, and I go, there's no way that there was 2,000 people in the stands. Zero chance No, there was 2,000 people. Yeah, the they stands. might have sold 2,000 tickets, but probably 1,500 people showed up. It was a Friday during yeah. the day. There's nobody yeah. in the stands. Zero. It was I mean, it's hell, just crazy. The- Fan, fans on the west coast don't even get to the game till the third inning anyways i just don't understand like yeah he's the owner's got tons of money but how are you even remotely breaking even even at this point he probably isn't i, I, I bet i i would not be shocked to find out he's losing money and he's doing it literally just to spite the city of oakland Jordan Alvarez grand, grand slam. I missed that one. Of course. I mean, that, that guy's got 41 RBI, so now he's leapfrog Devers for second. Jordan Alvarez is a freak. Yeah, crazy. Um, yeah, I just it's it's so it's so bad that it's like it's almost not funny anymore. Like we no, know it's... what's coming, we know what's coming down the pike, you know, now that they're moving to Vegas, but man oh man, like it's ridiculous. It's comical. Yeah. Crazy. Um, and then I got uh, Danny Jansen for the Blue Jays hit two walk-offs in four days. Like, there was a walk-off homer, then I think a walk-off base hit up the middle yeah, or something week. like that. But, I mean, two walk-off hits in a week. There are guys that go that. a whole career that a walk-off hit. He's got two in four days. Yeah. Um, and then the last thing I got is uh, it was a bad week to be – uh, a bird in the MLB. Um, yep. Zach Gallon for the Diamondbacks is doing his outfield warmups, and a bird flies through, and he just Randy Johnson style connects it, knocks it out of the air, kills it. Yeah. Um, and then I'm waiting for Harrison to get on tonight, and I get a an alert from the Guardians game, and uh, uh, Will Brennan for the Guardians hits a absolute beautiful opposite field. A uh, single between short and third on a line, another bird. Yeah. R.I.P. in peace. Yeah. So yeah. two or pieces, I should say. R.I.P. in pieces. Yikes. Um, two birds killed in the same week. Yeah. <laughs> baseball related. Just yeah, like if, if you're if you're a bird, don't go by a major league baseball stadium. I, my God. So I just 
it's nuts i i mean that's it's honestly my favorite favorite baseball clip of all time that randy johnson pitch that was crazy seeing that bird explode and I then, say, that bird exploded like exploded. that exploded and like then nothing the, you've ever seen the the reaction from the umpire the hitter and the catcher are the best because they're like what the hell just happened there's like this is a cloud of feathers yeah just absolutely insane but yeah that's all i had for tonight do you got anything to add harrison i got one thing to add so our good friend angel hernandez clearly mlb's best umpire just ask him um people are starting to ask where is he and honestly like we were usually good for at least one good angel angel hernandez um bad call every couple of weeks and we haven't had one in a while so I was kind of asking the same question of, you know, the umpiring has been weird this year, but Angel Hernandez hasn't been in the headlines. What's happened to him? So come to find out, Angel Hernandez has not umpired in the game since April 3rd. He's umpired one game all year, and um, they're claiming he has some kind of a back injury. So that's keeping him off the field. They're not sure when he's going to return. So the conspiracy theorists and, and tinfoil hat wearing people out there are kind of like, is this a back injury or is MLB finally like, okay, enough's enough. Like we're just going to pay this guy to sit at home because we can't fire him. Right. He's, he's clearly a terrible umpire. So like, what do we do? So the conspiracy theorists are under the impression that they're just paying him to stay home and not, and not umpire. And they're using an injury as a cover up. but either way, he's not umpired a game since April 3rd. They don't know when he's going to return. If he's going to return this year. And we've had no really good Angel Hernandez screw-ups to talk about. So, Just absolutely insane. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I would not be shocked if MLB is just hiding him because they're tired of getting of the crap and they can't do anything about it. Can you imagine Angel Hernandez trying to do this pitch clock crap? Oh, my goodness. No. And like, the sticky stuff? No, no like, forget no it. Way. I mean, the guy can't call a ball or a strike, let alone anything else. He'd be worse than Cuzzy. He'd just be like, out, you out, you're out, you're out. See everybody out. Game's canceled. Go home. But yeah, Yeah. so surprisingly, there's been no Angel Hernandez this year because he actually hasn't been umpiring. Shocker. That's fine. Yeah, I'm not heartbroken over it. Just it just we've we've missed a good chance to like really rail on some terrible calls. You can put a scarecrow behind first base and then call a better game than he could. Well, and what's what's been interesting is that because he hasn't been the, been around to get all the attention, like we're actually seeing some other really bad umpires. So <laughs> other guys are getting some headlines. Absolutely. But I will say I, I responded to a comment on a on a post by some group about umpiring. And I just said, you know, MLB has a a chronic and debilitating umpire issue like they can't fix it. The umpiring is bad. Too many of these guys try to take a game over and MLB has got no solutions to fix it. So. A guy like Angel Hernandez not being on the field does not make me upset. No, I agree. But he's not the only one. No, there are some pretty bad ones out there yep. still. But getting better. There are some great ones out there too. There are. There's a, there's a lot of great ones that just get ignored because they're not. There's nothing headline worthy. Which is what you want. Exactly. Let, the umpires. Exactly. The umpires you don't know are the best ones in the league. Exactly. A you good umpire you don't even know they're there. Yeah. Like guy, we were that third base ump we were getting on in Baltimore. Oh, geez, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that ball by Connor Drill was crushed, but my God, uh, yeah, that's the and, rest of the game. I mean, and sending that one to replay is a good idea. Like you should, because it's hard to tell. But he was getting, he was getting it pretty good. And I will say, he looked over a couple of times and just smiled at our section. So he yeah. was clearly okay with it. But okay, one more trip highlight before we go. 
there was a group of of like birthday people yeah, like it was a probably birthday. guys around our age maybe a little younger um and there was like three rows of them it was they a bunch had, of them. Yeah. i want to say they had like 20 something tickets yeah they had a full poster of the guy's birthday and he was completely topless like the chick in major league yep and they had the leopard print all yep. over him and every time the orioles got a hit they took a piece off just like in major league when they won a game and at the end he was like holding up the sign and oh my god it was yep. hilarious i was like that was awesome yeah and of course there were two guys in that group who were unbelievably loud like they had those voices that just carried and they would get on the umpire and then they would like they would show the poster and you know it's his birthday and like they were they were wild but it was it was fun it was so much fun but all right um so like i said next week's gonna be pretty cool we have ryan yep. rand on um like i said he's umpired uh, many different levels of um baseball throughout his career i'm sure down to little league to to for some professional ball semi ball um semi pro ball so i'm sure he's gonna have some interesting insights on what it looks like from that side of the diamond yep. um some of these new rules and regulations that mlb has put in what's he seen um, being behind the dish can't wait for some of his stories um, yeah. but we're gonna have some good questions for him um, so you can tune in next monday at eight we'll be live so if you guys have any questions for him as well um, you can also type them in um, but until then just make sure you like subscribe um, you can share our page and listen on spotify and apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and I think Sean will be back from Italy. Like I said, if not, it'll be me and Harrison again. Lucky dogs. You so you could do worse, right? <laughs> right. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. We'll see you guys next Monday at eight. See ya.